Do you wait for everything to be perfect and lined up straight before you make a choice? How hard are you trying to get everything in your life right? What if jumping in and getting messy is one of the ways to find out what works for you? Discover how being willing to mess up can create the phenomenal life you truly desire. Get ready to quit judging and start embracing all of your messy adventures. Now, here's your host, self-declared messy living expert, Katrina Fava. Hello and welcome to Messy Adventures in Living. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Petrina Fava. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited for today's show. I have a wonderful guest on with me today. Uh, so let me introduce you a little bit to Messy Adventures in Living and to myself, Petrina Fava. Um, so Messy Adventures in Living is a, um, a radio show. It's it's more than a radio show, but for now, we'll call it a radio show. It's an hour where you get invited to choosing um, and not waiting for all your ducks to be lined up and not waiting for all the lights to be green before you make any moves, which is what many of us have learned to do, making sure we have all the right information before we make a choice. Here on Messy Adventures in Living, you get invited into choosing first and then seeing what that creates in your life. And with the idea that you could always make another choice, right? How much have you learned that, you know, once you make a choice, you have to stick with it and be careful about the choices that you make because they will significantly impact your life and significantly impact those around you. And so not exactly saying that none of that is true, but looking at that as just kind of an interesting point of view and looking at where when we hold on to that belief, belief very tightly that the choice has to be the right choice and we have to be careful when we make choices and make sure we make the right choice otherwise our life will go to hell you know um just wow what if none of that is true and what if you can always make another choice and so if you knew that you could always make another choice would you be more willing to jump in and choose anything choose something choose and then see what that creates knowing knowing that if you don't like what it creates you can always choose something else because you can. You can always choose something else. There's always another choice available. So that's um, a little bit about what Messy Adventures in Living is, bees. Um, my name is Petrina, and here are some of the ways that I play in the world. Um, I am a mom of three kids. They are 13 years old, 10 years old, and just turned seven last weekend. Um, they're amazing. They are wonderful little packets of... <laughs> um, hmm. What's the word? They're wonderful little packets of, they're like little mirrors actually, and they're these packages of energies that show me all of the places I'm not being all of me and challenge me and invite me to being more of me. I am so grateful for them and I'm, I love um, having them in my life and I love everything that has changed for me and everything that I have chosen differently to be differently. Um, since they have come into my life. I'm so grateful for them. I'm also a pediatric nurse. Um, I really love kids. And I have been a pediatric nurse coming up. My 20-year anniversary is coming in a couple of weeks. I work in Toronto at a hospital called Sick Kids. And um, I currently work in the dialysis and apheresis program there. Previously, I was working on the multi-organ transplant unit. And I've had the privilege, amazing privilege, truly, of being with families and children at some of their most vulnerable moments. And I have received so much from these families and these kids. Um, they show me every day that 
um, you know, to think outside the box and to look outside the box and that happiness and joy is possible even in some of the moments that in this reality we consider to be the hardest. Illness, sickness, death even. Um, just very recently this week, I was um, very privileged to be a part of something that was very different. One of our um, beautiful little patients passed away in the most amazing, beautiful way that I could have ever imagined. This family was able to honor their child and give them a death that was, or provide the space for death that was jo- literally joyful um, and and a celebration of life and honor her wishes for peace with her body. Just I can't even put it to words. I'm so incredibly grateful for all of the families that I have had the privilege of knowing over the last few years. Um, so that and also um, I am an access consciousness bars and body process facilitator. I also recently officially became a right body for you taster facilitator. Um, so as you can see, I love kids and I really love bodies. And so I like to... Um, <clears throat> I like to uh, do some energy uh, work in the modality called access consciousness. Lots of hands-on body processes involved and lots of really amazing tools that you can use um, to change anything that isn't working for you in your life and also to create something greater because it's not just about what fixing fixing what's not working. It's really about creating something greater, acknowledging that you are already awesome and that you can have something greater. So we will be possibly, I think, talking a little bit about these tools on this show, um, you can uh, find more about them at accessconsciousness.com. Okay, that's enough about me. There's more, um, actually, and you can find out more about me at patrinafava.com. You can uh, look at my um, uh, bath and body product line called naturallyhappybody.com, all on that website. Go, go there and check me out. Let's get to our show. Let's get to our guest. So today, our show is called Anxious Kids anxious parents and my guest is dean larson um hi dean are you there i am here hi welcome oh, back you are unmuted. This is, yes i am i am on mute okay um so this welcome back because this is your second time here wow i feel like i never left <laughs> that's awesome let me, um, I'm just going to go and introduce you. I'm just going to go through your bio a little bit, if that's okay, and then we can get to the show. So, well, we are already at the show, but I'm going to just tell everybody about all your awesomeness, okay? So, oh. <laughs> let's, so anxious kids, anxious parents, with my guest, Dean Larson, would you be willing to throw away all of your definitions and conclusions about anxiety, at least for an hour? Together with my guest, Dean Larson, we're going to be looking at the effects of anxiety on learning and how we can change them with some simple techniques. So Dean began tutoring and teaching students with learning problems in 1998 after a 25-year career as a counselor for adults and adolescents with addictions. In 1998, he began working in a tutoring business, which led to the opening of an accredited special function high school. Using the methods and processes he had been teaching as an access consciousness facilitator, and his experiences as a counselor, Dean facilitated his students in achieving incredible success, in most cases, very quickly. One of the problems among his students was anxiety, something Dean was familiar with on a personal level. So what if eradicating a child's anxiety is easier than you think, and what if it starts with you. Dean also, by the way, lives just outside of Houston, Texas with his wife, Sandy, who is an artist and teacher. 
So, once again, welcome, Dean. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here, and I, I'm so grateful that we're talking about this um, topic of anxiety. Um, I have been, I have been, uh, as you know, I've been a fan of Dean Larson for a while. I've done a, a few telecalls with you, and um, I love following you on Facebook. And I, I just wanted to say that um, if you don't know Dean Larson, go check him out because he has, um, he, he is ease. I feel like Dean, you just like ooze ease. You know, um, <laughs> that's saying something. There's not a lot of people in this world who, you know, really just kind of ooze ease. But um, Dean, it has this amazing ability to just. Uh, be the space of ease and and invite others to ease. And I am amazed that you can do this with children and how lucky are those kids and those families that get to have you uh, to play with. So what would you like to get started with? What can you tell us a little bit about um, what you know about anxious kids and anxious parents? Since I've started tutoring, just about every student that I've ever sat across the table from has had anxiety to some degree. And um, in in some cases, it's just insane that a, a six-year-old would have anxiety, um, performance anxiety about school. And so for a long time, I've been looking at what what makes that happen. And so I decided to study it a little more deeply and uh, that led us where we are today. Actually, um, anxiety probably doesn't even exist. It's symptomatic of something else. Um, as a matter of fact, in the in the DSM three or or other manuals, ICD nine, um, it's described. It's labeled anxiety, described as fear and worry. Now, we thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is, if you want, chronic uh, fear and worry. And for you to be diagnosed as as having anxiety, you need to, um, it needs to be causing problems in most of the areas of your life for, uh, a period of six months. Well, that's a long time to be in a bag. And so uh, you mentioned access consciousness, and that's related in large part to uh, my thoughts on anxiety. Um, I had been plagued with anxiety since I was a little kid. Um, I saw my first psychologist when I was like 11. Um, when I was a junior in high school, I missed a third of the year because I couldn't make myself go to school. Um, as a therapist, I was usually hurting worse than my clients and it was nuts. And one day I showed up at an access consciousness class about talking to animals. And in there, we got talking about the space that a horse uh, contains or creates around itself, and it's huge. And I got it. I got it right there. And when I left the house 
that we were having the meeting in, I felt like I'd left something behind, and I turned around, and I said, oh my gosh, what I'd left behind was my anxiety. I've not had a second of anxiety since. Amazing. That was that was in 2007. Okay. Um, and so I started asking questions about... Um, I started asking questions about what was it about that space? Yeah. And could I create the same space as a horse? Well, I could, and I did, and the students uh, reflected the same sort of thing that I that happened to me, and um, that's what brings us together today. I'd like to talk about um, parents learning how to create a space like that for not only learning but for ease, and um, the pitfalls that they pop into that prevent that from taking place. Yeah. So, learning, in my estimation, is the capacity for me to get everything out of the way of all of the knowing I already have in my head. (laughs) I I already know what I need to know, but what stands in my way? Teaching is facilitating the business of getting rid of the things that prevent me from learning. One of those things uh, presents itself as anxiety okay i have a little guy that sits across from me he's a second grader um i see him a couple times a week and he'll be reading along and when he he hits something that makes him anxious he literally sits back in the chair as though he'd gotten a shock and talking to him about that what he said is that the words push me away. The energy of his inability to read is so strong, it pushes him away from the book. Mm-hmm. And then he has a whole host of people behind him saying, you've got to read, and pushes his face back in. And so he gets anxious. Um, that is amazing. It is. The, the, yeah. and, and kids, every kid deserves a medal for just living through that. They are, <laughs> uh, they're just amazing. That day after day, they go to a place where they feel like they're carrying a huge weight. Mm-hmm. And they do it without complaint for the most part. Um, sure like to ease that weight. Yeah. So, in order to make that come about, um, we would like to create a space around the little guy that removes the blocks so that he can learn easily. And, and by the way, he uh, has jumped two grade levels like in the last three months uh, in reading. And they'd kind of given up on him. But he could read all the time. He just couldn't get past the roadblocks. 
to create the learning space is the responsibility of the teacher, the parent. And so the next thing we can talk about is how do you create a space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that, that, what a great, thank you. That's a great question, actually, because that's, that's a question I'll be asking now. Um, but like, that's <laughs> probably, thanks for that <laughs> note. Um, how can I create that space? <laughs> how can I create this that space for my child is a great question for me to ask. But I think for anyone who, and I mean for anyone who's familiar with the tools of, of access, um, you know, would would know understand what that means. But I mean, so what I see, what I have seen with um, parents who all have children that you know, like quote unquote, have anxiety, um, is that their space gets very quickly just as contracted as the child's, right? Because And so now it's just, you know, one tightly wound child with a with an equally, if not more, tightly wound parent, you know, pushing the kids. But when you said that about the, the, the words are pushing out, pushing back on the child, and then the parent or the teacher or whoever, the adult, is, is pressing them back into the page. I mean, it's not in a literal sense, but it is energetically. It's like, no, keep going, keep going, keep going, pushing, pushing. And the, the contraction of energy there is enormous, right? So then, yeah, so let's talk about what is what is that, that being space. Can you talk about what that was like, like when you learned it in the Talk to the Animals class? Oh, boy, can I? <laughs> um, mm. In about 20 hours. Uh, yeah, I know, right? But I'll, I'll compress. <laughs> I just asked these little questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little tangent here yeah. and, okay, uh, and describe a couple of things. Yeah. One of them is uh, the notion of judgment. And, and if we define judgment as resisting or reacting to, and I'm going to move those to the side, but aligning or agreeing with a point of view would be a judgment. So when someone says your child has anxiety, Mm-hmm. It is almost, it is very difficult for parents not to absolutely dive in on that right. and align and agree agree with it to the point that they're blind. They start seeing anxiety instead of child. Mm-hmm. When they've done that for a while, the judgment turns into an assumption. It's the assumption that if the kid's acting up in class, it's because he is uh, anxious. Those assumptions are the sort of um, energy, if you want, that contain the child and prevent him from getting in touch with his own knowing. And and that was was true of me. People... um, People made assumptions about me. We all, I maintain that we don't see each other. We see our assumptions about one another. Mm-hmm. Yes. We seldom actually see the person. And yeah. so I've heard you I talk about a, that often. Yeah. And you know what happens with that is if you see my assumptions instead of me on a very basic level, we're not connected. Right. Of course. Well, if nobody's connected to the kid, how's that? How's that working? That's 
that's not a very comfortable place to be. So um, the assumption piece is what I wanted to talk about for a moment. And it's not true just of anxiety. It's true of, of just about all performance issues in a school, whether it's um, ADHD or, or even autism. Um, mm-hmm. Our perceptions create much of what we see with that. And so when we come when we come to creating a space, uh, the, the concept that I like best and the word I like best came from access consciousness, and that's allowance. Allowance doesn't mean giving permission, and and that's that's kind of a, a quirky thing, I guess. Allowance means that I look at a child without judgment of any kind. When I look at a child without judgment of any kind, I automatically create a space. When I see the child, no matter what the people around uh, around the child, no matter what they expect or project on the child, when I don't buy into those points of view and all I see is the child, I can communicate on a level that other people around that are that are doing the assumption thing or are not in allowance can't. When that happens and the kid gets used to being in that space, they make absolutely monumental changes in in behavior, in uh, capacity to do schoolwork and self worth. It's absolutely remarkable. One of the things that I know to be true uh, is that parents are the defenders of their children. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to see a parent put it in gear, threaten their child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's a there's a problem with that yeah. is parents typically only see that threat. And they put all of their resources into a threat that may not be the problem. We'll talk about anxiety again for a second. Um, Anxiety as fear and worry. Okay. And in my case, when I was having uh, years of anxiety, it was... um, almost a primal fear of not belonging. I, I, as a kid, I truly did believe that I was dropped on the wrong planet because I was like nobody else, at least according to what I could see. Mm -hmm. And if you remember uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs right there in the middle is belonging. In fact, one of the reasons that there are things like excommunication and expulsion from the tribe is I'm punishing you, making you no longer exist by no longer being with us. And so I get put into a position where I have to perform and I can't. What's my fear? My fear is that if I don't perform, I will be ejected from the tribe. Mm -hmm. And 
if I'm a second grader, I sure as heck can't articulate that. I have no idea what's going on. I I just know that I'm something so catastrophic I can't think about it is on the horizon. In some cases, people give up. In some cases, people become delusional and wish that it would stop, but it doesn't. Um, but in the final analysis, if you take somebody with the fear of being ostracized by the rest of humanity and create a space of not just learning, but a space of being with them, that fear is immediately obliterated. Nice. You can't you can't unsee the sun once you've seen it. Mm-hmm. That's the trick. Amazing. Cool. Great. Dean, let's take a break. So much amazing information. Uh, let's uh, let's let's let that settle a little bit. And take a break and um, come back and talk more about that. I'm loving the conversation about allowance and no judgment and and about how that is the way to create space. I love it so much. Let's go to break. You're listening to Messy Adventures in Living. Today our topic is anxious kids, anxious parents with an amazing guest, Dean Larson. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back very soon. Do you wait until all the traffic lights are green before you get in your car? Of course you don't. Are you waiting until you have everything perfect to begin living? Most of us have learned not to take any steps until we have all the information to make the right choice. What if the opposite is true? What if it's choice that creates awareness? Are you willing to make lots of messy choices so you can begin to see the possibilities that you didn't think existed? Listen for Messy Adventures in Living radio show with self-declared messy living expert Katrina Fava every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 Central, 9 Mountain, and 8 Pacific on the InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How much more expansive would your life be if you were willing to get messy with your choices? What if there's nothing wrong with you? What if you're far greater than you've ever given yourself credit for? What if it's time to know the gift and the contribution you are to the world and to like yourself a lot more? Hi, my name is Dane here. 13 years ago, I started to truly ask questions. Actually, I started to be the question and everything changed for me. Asking questions opens doors to infinite possibilities. And it's not about finding the answer. It's about being the question, always. What I'm inviting you to step into is something that Einstein, Marie Curie, Newton, Da Vinci, Gandhi, Picasso, and Aristotle all knew to be true. What if no question is too big or too small? What if anything is possible for you? What if together we could create a kinder, gentler, happier world? Is now the time? Go to beingyouclass.com and sign up for a free video series, My Gift to You. beingyouclass.com What if you, truly being you, are the gift and change this world requires? beingyouclass.com You're listening to Messy Adventures in Living with Petrina Fava. To participate in today's show, please call in the U.S. 815-880-8255 In Canada, 613-800-8736 Or you can Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also ask questions or comment by email by sending to Petrina at PetrinaFava.com. 
Now, here's Petrina with more Messy Adventures. Hey, welcome back to Messy Adventures in Living. I'm your host, Petrina Fava. If you're just jumping in, just joining us, our topic for today is anxious kids, anxious parents. I have an amazing guest on, Mr. Dean Larson. And before we went to break, we were talking about the um, creating space for a child um, by dropping judgments by looking, uh, considering, perceiving, getting to know the child instead of looking at the label, um, which I think is so amazing. And it reminds me actually, um, Dean, about something that I've heard you say so many times, which is that I think it was your dad that said to you that when the Oh, and I'm so sorry because I'm sure I'm going to butcher this right now. But the when you know what I'm talking about when the teacher yep. uh, works on himself, the child you 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 say. <laughs> well, what, in in his case, it was mm-hmm. I had just started counseling, and he was already a counselor. And he came into my office, and he says, "I just wanted to share this with you. When a when a counselor works on himself instead of on his patient, his patient gets better." I love that so much. Honestly, like I can thank you so much for the first time I ever heard that because it is, it it, it is always in my awareness. And anytime I am struggling with something with my own child, I often remember that. And I think it just it ties in with this conversation because we often are trying to fix this thing that our child has when really, as parents or teachers, if we you know if we are able to create space and do all of these things within ourselves, then it invites the child into the space. I, I really it's amazing. The reason that fixing a child doesn't work is as soon as mm-hmm. I start fixing a child, I objectify the fo- child and we're no longer connected. Right. You got to be connected to make it work. Yeah, that is true. So, yeah. uh going back to parents and mm-hmm. uh being parents, I uh, I was talking about if you would like to see parents go into action Yes. <laughs> um, just threaten their child, and if if you don't know the stuff that we're talking about, uh, you will tend toward the apparent um, problem. Uh, right. In this case, the child is whining and kicking because he doesn't want to go to school, mm-hmm. and. So to address that, you run down a catalog of reasons that he could can potentially not want to go to school and finally you throw your hands up and you have him by the butt and drag him down the sidewalk and bring him to school. In that in that moment, instead of cataloging uh what those behaviors could be so I know what action to do, the question I ask myself would be what can I be right now that would change all of this? What can I be, not do? What can yeah. I be right now that would change all of this and allow my child to sort all this junk out? Um, the second I go into do, the child automatically resists. Yes. And I love that you just said that will allow my child to sort this out. If you right? think that you can sort it out for your child, I've got some yep. property in northeast Minnesota <laughs> that I'd love to sell you. <laughs> no kidding. It is so true. It's just that stood out. 
so much, like how often, like you were saying, we jump to defend, we catalog all of the reasons instead of asking a question. And the question, instead of being what is, like I know for me, I have often asked, like gone to ask a question if my child hasn't wanted to go to school, but the question has been, okay, what is this? Is it this? Is he being bullying? Is it? Is he being bullied? Is he having trouble reading? Is he like I go to question, but my question is about trying to figure it out or trying to catalog. So you, this you've question, already what can I be? Yeah. yeah. What can I be to change this? Is a totally different question. It's like, okay, what can I be? What does my child require for him to sort it out? I love it. What the miracle of question is yes. a question creates possibilities. Right. If I focus in on a single thing, I've limited my possibilities to a handful at best. Absolutely. Yes. If I make it, what can I be to change this? I have an infinite number of possibilities right at my fingertips immediately. Oh, it gets very exciting. I probably ask that question 150 times a day with some, you know, I, I, I should mention that my students, I purposely three years ago uh, halted everything I was doing because I wasn't comfortable with the way classes that I was doing about kids uh, mm-hmm. was going. I, it seemed like I was missing some depth. And so mm-hmm. I kind of threw it all in and advertised for kids with diagnoses. And I spent okay, yes. the last the last oh, three or four years, uh, I got the hours, not the years, I had something over 3,500 hours uh, sitting across from kids with every diagnosis you can name from brain damage to autism to dyslexia to um, yeah. too smart disease. Right. Um <laughs> That there should be something in the DSM five for the terminally bright. Yeah. <laughs> um, they all taught me a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's really interesting is the closer you get to those kids, the harder they push. If you have mm-hmm. even a tiny bit of resistance or judgment, or whatever, they'll yeah. climb right across. I, I will introduce you to one little kid that upon meeting him, uh, the first thing he did, he was in fourth grade, he ran, dropped on the floor, put his head in the corner, put his butt in the air, and farted at me. <laughs> That's awesome. Welcome! <laughs> but you see, he was he was trying to set up a reaction. Right, yes. If I react, I lose the kid. If I react, so, I lose the kid. Yeah. Yep. If I react, the, the, the kid is the most powerful guy in the room always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> but that's true only if I think he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. If I'm judging him to be in error... Mm-hmm. Because he's behaving the way he is, that's that's the bait that I I take, right. and he can run me around like a puppet. 
So if I'm a parent and my kid is having anxiety and he's moping, he's doing all of this stuff, what I would like to do, first of all, is take care of getting into my own allowance. By the way, the, the wonder of this is I can't be an allowance for the kid. I can only be an allowance. So when I'm an yeah. allowance, I'm an allowance for the universe, not for the kid. So everybody that's around me is in that same space of being. Can you talk a little bit about, can you explain that a little bit? I I am an allowance for the universe and not the kid. What does that mean? That you're, if you zero in on being an allowance for the kid, what does that create? Is that what you how mean? Many poss- yeah, how many possibilities do I have if I right. zero in on it? Now, the oh. kid's the impetus. The kid's what's making That's me amazing. do this. I, man, that kid's hurting. But right. I, if, if I'm in oneness, I can't be in oneness with you and not with somebody else. Right. Wow, that's amazing. I've never even considered that. I love that so much. So that when I, every day when I'm coming in, what would it take for me to be in total allowance, blah, 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 and I sit down, and the parents walk out feeling good. Right. And the people down the hall Which, of course, creates creates something for everyone, right? Which, of course, also creates for the child, and yeah. What's even better is the kid catches it, and he takes it home, and his whole family That's right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, amazing. Um, so, no matter the no matter the seeming severity of anxiety or crisis um, that a kid is going through in school, if the parent immediately upon hearing about teacher calls up and says, "I don't know what's wrong with Johnny, but boy, he's been acting out lately. Is there something going on at home?" Immediately, parents say, oh, my gosh, she knows or something. I don't know. I'm a bad parent. If we get rid of all of that, what can I be? Well, I can be an allowance. What can I be? And then address the child. All of those machinations, I just maybe just made up a word, machinations, um, that everybody is going through. It's a predictable dance. If you see enough of them, they're almost carbon copies. And if you if you don't buy into the script, but stay in allowance and walk into the classroom, interact with the teacher, interact with the child, none of the insanity that's created right there can stay in tune. Uh, darkness really has trouble staying in a room full of light. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like that. Um, so I wanted parents- to say, too, a little bit about allowance, though. What stood out for me in this whole conversation about allowance and is that it has to include allowance for self, right? As a parent, especially. Because I, I wonder how, yeah, how much parents judge themselves when, if they get a phone call from the teacher saying, "What's going on at home?" or there's a label saying your child has anxiety or your child has ADD, or you're frustrated with your child as they're trying to do their homework, and then you're judging yourself for being frustrated. Right? It has to include allowance for self. Would you say? I would indeed. As a matter of fact, the thing I said about a primal fear. That yeah. comes with that comes with the parent. 
A parent has the primal fear of ostracism and failure if their kid demonstrates that they're not good parents. So when a parent says, I'm afraid of being a bad parent, what they're telling you is, I am afraid of being a bad parent because it hits right to the core of my being. I'm not upholding my evolutionary responsibility by putting my child in danger. That's deep stuff. It hurts. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can we can we uh clear that? Can we use the clearing statement for that? Sure. It's like I feel like I'm gonna explode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oh. so much energy there. Okay, so everywhere any of you everywhere any of us have ever um all of the fear the primal fear of not upholding what did you say? Upholding your evolutionary that, responsibility. Oh, you your kid dies. Yes. Everywhere you are judging or fearful or just petrified that you are not upholding your evolutionary responsibility. Can we please destroy and uncreate all of that and everywhere that is holding so much of all of this crap in place? Can we destroy and uncreate it all? Right or wrong, good or bad, pot or pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Okay, so if any of you listening who have never heard that before, it is the Access Consciousness Clear Statement. You don't need to understand it, but if you would like to understand it, you can go to theclearingstatement.com. There, that's all I'm going to say about that. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, uh, everybody that's listening and everybody that isn't wouldn't be hurt by checking that out. Oh, yeah, um, amazing. It is, it's kind of a life-saving thing. Um, okay, so... When we're, so it's really easy to judge parents because they're flying at all ends and they're trying every doctor in town to get the right prescription for the kid and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I, I find it hard to get mad at parents in the same way I find it hard to get mad at teachers um, who were taught primarily to do the things that they were doing. The, the job of a school, of a, of a typical school, uh, is to compress a child until he is cubicle in shape and behaves as he's supposed to behave. And by the way, it wouldn't hurt if he knew how to add. Oh, my God. <laughs> God you have so well. <laughs> you have such a way of saying that. I want to just, let's clear that too, everything that brings up. Everywhere you have ever felt compressed into a cube, and by the way, you have to also learn this math. Can we just try and create all of that, please? Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all night, shorts, boys and beyonds. Wow. That is intense. It is. It is. But you know something? What would it, what would it take for us as a bunch of people to be willing to look at that intensity? Yes. If it takes that level of intensity, the willingness to take a look at, I, I've spent, over 40,000 hours putting together broken lives. Hmm. And that's a lot of intensity. But yeah. what I discovered is there's great ease in making the changes, but along the way, you get to see the devastation. Right, okay, cool, yeah. You're shoveling it out, but it it's there on the way in. And my... My fear, the thing that I work on on me, is getting close to the devastation in somebody else's life. But what would happen mm -hmm. if 
that no longer held me away, and I went into allowance about the devastation and changed it just by being in a room with the person. Don't have to say anything. Yeah, that, I love that because I feel like um, people have asked me often as a nurse, how you know, how do you do that? Like, how do you see so much of this devastation, death and dying and sickness and children? And I have often said, like, I don't know, I just kind of don't, like, I just... I see it, it's there, whether or not I'm there to change it, it's going to be there, right? So I just kind of, I look at it, and then I look at, well, how can I be, what can I be to change this? That's great. So many parallels to so many other things in life. A nurse is somebody who's willing to put her hands where other people won't. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's yeah. holding a baby or it's... right. Uh, holding somebody dying or any other of the possibilities in between, that's the deal. What allowance is that? Yeah, that's awesome. Dean, we need to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk. We are going to talk about what you have coming up to offer the world because it's awesome. So let's get to that. Let's take a break. You're listening to Messy Adventures in Living. I'm your host, Petrina Fava, and I'm joined today by Dean Larson. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Do you wait until all the traffic lights are green before you get in your car? Of course you don't. Are you waiting until you have everything perfect to begin living? Most of us have learned not to take any steps until we have all the information to make the right choice. What if the opposite is true? What if it's choice that creates awareness? Are you willing to make lots of messy choices so you can begin to see the possibilities that you didn't think existed? Listen for Messy Adventures in Living radio show with self-declared messy living expert Petrina Fava every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 Central, 9 Mountain, and 8 Pacific on the InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How much more expansive would your life be if you were willing to get messy with your choices? What would you say if I told you that you could change your life in only one hour and all while lying down relaxing? Thousands of people all over the world have. What am I talking about? It's called Access Consciousness The Bars. The Bars is an energetic body process that contains 32 different points on your head that when run assist you in releasing decisions about any area of your life that you have made solid and as a result cannot change. The Bars is the first class in Access Consciousness a dynamic set of tools and information designed to transform any area of your life. When you have a bar session, the worst that can happen is you feel like you had a fantastic massage. The best thing that can happen is your whole life could change. Go to accessconsciousness.com today to find a facilitator to schedule a private session or to find a bars class in your area. Are you willing to give yourself an hour to change your life? You're listening to Messy Adventures in Living with Petrina Fava. To participate in today's show, please call in the U.S. 815-880-8255. In Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also ask questions or comment by email by sending to Petrina at PetrinaFava.com. Now, here's Petrina with more Messy Adventures. 
Welcome back to Messy Adventures in Living. I'm your host, Petrina Fava. I'm joined by Dean Larson. We have been talking about anxious kids, anxious parents. And before we go on, I just wanted, Dean, please tell everyone what you have coming up because I really don't want to run out of time. Um, we just have seven minutes left, but please tell everyone how what you have coming up and how they can join you on, um, yeah, how they can join you, how they can find you because what you have to offer is just amazing and I would love everybody to know about it. Well... I would love to tell everybody about it. I have a brand new website that is almost done that will have all of my uh, upcoming classes on it, uh, yeah. done as in this week. Um, and it is dleducate.com. Dean Larson, dleducate.com. And I will be having upcoming um, classes on there, both local and um online i'm planning uh within the next couple of months to do the uh anxious parents uh or anxious kids anxious parents class online um as soon as i get geared up and then i will i will put it out uh you're always welcome to visit me at my facebook page um just look for dean larson i'll wave at you when you get there Mm-hmm. Um, so I have two classes coming up within the next couple of months. The first one is the long version of what we're talking about today. Uh, the other one is cues from kids, cue like taking your cue from, mm-hmm. um, parents or adults or anybody often miss over half of the information that their child has for them about his condition. Yeah. Seeing, because they tend to see, their, the parents tend to see their own assumptions, but they really don't know what they're looking for. You know, it's really interesting when a student will start acting out the second he hits a reference to math, let's say. Uh, even if he's reading something, he gets a reference to math. He'll start acting out. I had a kid throw a piece of paper at me the other day when we started getting around to math. Well, are you pretty comfortable with math? The point is, what I was supposed to see is the behavior instead of the message, according to the kid, because he was trying right. to get me away from math. So I'm going to have a class on learning to see those things. And oh. that will be advertised as well. Awesome. Wow. Um, yeah, and I would say for anyone, you know, I've been on some of Dean's, um, I've done some of his online classes. They are really amazing, and just the space that he creates, and, and um, I just like talking to you because, I don't know, I just like oh. talking to you. <laughs> right, but that's just it. It's just like this amazing space of just space, um, which is a beautiful place to be that can really expand you and allow you to be all of you. I love it. So I would encourage anyone to jump on any of those calls, whether you have kids or not, because probably even if you don't have kids in your life, if you, (laughs) if you jump in on these calls, it will change your life. Um, So we're just down to the last uh, three and a half minutes. So what, how could you sum this up quickly? Like what, (laughs) that's funny. What, what questions could you suggest for parents to ask around this? Oh, yeah. The one that I already mentioned is what can I be uh, to change all of this? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
what am I, what have I been unwilling to see that if I saw it could change all of this? And that was what we were talking about right before the break is that um, what kind of devastation am I afraid to see? And so I Mm -hmm. want to get rid of that. There's also parents, um, parents typically take on as shame and guilt the things that happen to their children. So what would it take for me to see my child and allow him to be the being that he is without my taking that away and being guilty and and, uh, shameful for what's going on with him? Yeah. Anything, yeah. anything like that is big. I'd also like to mention that when, you know, we talk about going into allowance and getting rid of judgment, one of the side, two of the side effects of allowance, one of them is joy. You cannot get allowance without joy. It, it they're strapped together. So if you don't want to be joyful, don't go into allowance. Okay. If you don't want your kid to be joyful, don't put him in allowance. What an amazing thing that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what do you, is there anything, like I, I, I can imagine people are like, how can I get out of resistance? How, how could I not react? So for someone whose child is yelling in their face or throwing or things or, you know, swearing, cursing in their face, I can just imagine they'd be like, how can I not react to that? So what... What would you say to that that kind of question? I'm aware of the behaviors that I'll allow people to engage in in front of me. If you happen to engage in behavior that's not on the list of acceptable behaviors to me, I will hit you with an energy bolt that will knock you through a wall. The kids used to refer to to it as the voice. Um, I make a very loud sound, and it all stops. That doesn't mean I'm not in allowance. It means that you don't get to do that. Yeah, that's a very important distinction. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. And of it, it's not that you shouldn't or there's something wrong with you for doing it. It's just I don't allow that. Awesome. Great. Well, we are just coming to the end of the show. I would like to really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being here. Um, I am so grateful that you've chosen this platform to share your everything that you know about this and to promote your show. Um, All the best with all of that. I'm sure I will be jumping on some of those calls for sure. I wouldn't miss it for the world. So thank you to everyone and see you next week. Thanks for playing with us on Messy Adventures in Living. Katrina Fava will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on Inspired Choices Network. We'd love to have you join us again. Until next time, have fun creating your phenomenal life, mess and all.